Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favorite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hi, welcome to today's Irish Tech News Podcast. I'm talking with Professor Mary Aiken who is a world-renowned cyberpsychologist. She's also working with Bank of Ireland on their, on their anti-suspicion campaign at the start of this week's International Fraud Awareness Week. So how are you doing, Professor Aiken? Uh, very good, thank you. So far, tell us a bit about your background so we know who you actually are, because I know of you, but others mightn't. Yeah, certainly. So I'm a professor of cyberpsychology, Cyberpsychology is the study of the impact of technology on human behavior. And my specialist area is forensic cyberpsychology, which is broadly the study of criminal deviant and abnormal behavior online. So I'm very involved in uh, research in that area. I'm leading a European, uh, pan-European research project under Horizon 2020, which is specifically actually examining human and technical drivers of cybercrime in a contemporary context. I also work as an academic advisor to Europol, to the EC3, the Cybercrime Centre, and I'm an advisor to Interpol, to the Global Cybercrime uh, Expert Group. Now, getting back to uh, cyberpsychology and uh, particularly what you do, I guess your model is letting, seeing how technology and, and these kind of uh, smishing attacks, etc., can be used to reprogram your brain. Yes, yes. So effectively, we're all aware of what a technical compromise is in terms of a hack, which is really about the technology. My area as a cyber behavioral scientist is to examine and investigate how fraudsters, how perpetrators, how cyber criminals are attempting to actually hack the human. And for the first time, I believe, from you know a financial institutional perspective, what we've done is a deep dive in terms of analysis of the type of fraudulent uh, texts that are in circulation. And then we've broken them down into sort of different uh, segments. Uh, and then I've done what's called content analysis, uh, specifically in terms of the language and sentiment analysis, and breaking down the, the, the messaging to actually decode the message and extrapolate the human drivers. So what does that mean? For example, if you get a fraudulent text, you may have what we call a red flag, which is an urgency, a call to action. And what you'll see is words embedded like urgent, immediate, respond, action needed. So that's embedded into the text. We'll also see um, things like the use of capitals. So in computer-mediated communication, the use of caps is called email shouting or text yeah. shouting. It just, you know, for your listeners, never a good thing to put caps in an email. It's quite aggressive yeah. or in a text. But what it does, it's another alert. It's designed to get your attention. So 
the analytics from this look we looked at these first of all these red flags around alerts and you'll see caps also used spread through the text where you'll see each word beginning with a capital letter so this is interesting in terms of of doing a, a, a deeper dive and that was one aspect of the campaign that we looked at was this urgency we then took this science and recorded short little um, promotional clips, which are rolled out on social media, which in a sort of engaging way with graphics and highlights and showing the text themselves and, and, and then circling the interesting parts, then become a way of communicating uh, high behavioral science, if you will, to a general audience to get them to understand. And I can give you other examples of the, the sort of profiling of these of intent in these texts that we did. Yes, please, yeah, that'll, be, that'll be helpful. Yeah, so one of the second areas that we looked at is timing. So that broke down into two sort of time segments, what we describe as just happened and just in time. And this is really interesting. I mean, you'll never look at a text, a fraudulent text, in the same way again when you start thinking about these triggers. So, for example, we show an example where the text message was, say, received at uh, 7.44 in the evening. And effectively, the body of the text says, you know, B-O-I in caps, a new payment instruction has been added on the 21st of the 10th at 19.20, which is 7.20 in the evening. So that has happened at 7.20. You receive the message roughly about 20 minutes later, which is very interesting because it looks like an appropriate response period yeah. for an institution. And given that we all check our phones roughly about every 10 minutes, you are likely to come across this sort of stacking of time quite quickly. And what you will then have the perception is, oh my goodness, this happened at 7.20. It is now, I received this at 7.40. It is now 7.50. Therefore, the perception is that you have enough time to act. And that is what it is designed to do. The second, so it's at what you might call in a psychological context, a window of opportunity for you to respond. So there's a gamification there that is setting you up to think, I have time to respond. The next variant of timing is just in time. So effectively, the message might say, this has happened and your account is now going to be blocked or suspended or restricted. So this premise is, now it's happened and you have this very small window of opportunity to act to therefore to stop this suspension or the block being placed. And that's a very powerful psychological driver. Why? Because nobody wants their account suspended or restricted or blocked. And therefore you move quickly to try and avoid that happening. And the third point about timing is when we analyzed the messages, what we found is that they're mostly sent late, very late in the working day, in the late afternoon, or in the early evening. Again, this is designed so that if you got it at nine o'clock in the morning, you might have plenty of time to ring your bank and check. You might talk to uh, technology, IT, literate colleagues and say, what do you think about this? You could have opportunities to sort of interrogate whether this was genuine or not. 
when it comes late in the day, especially when you may be commuting home or picking up the kids or starting to get the dinner ready, you're distracted. For cyber fraudsters, distraction is good. Multitasking is good. This becomes an angle of attack whereby you're distracted and therefore you're more likely to respond. And that's the second aspect. We also noted that in timing, these texts very rarely are sent on a Saturday or Sunday. Why? Because the perception would be that if your bank is going to contact you, it's more likely to be during the working week. If you suddenly got a text on Sunday morning, you might be more suspicious about it. And then the third area that we looked at is the construct of what we describe as embedded messaging. And effectively, what we see is typically, you know, you get variations of, say, for Bank of Ireland of 365 or 365 online or BOI are used in the fake URL in the link below the text. You know, the, the link we're always telling people, do not click here. But what we see in terms of doing a deeper dive and more analysis is that the the technical deception embedded in the text is designed to make the link look like it belongs to 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 the message so an echoing let me just explain that for example if the here's an example of a text so it's bank of ireland your personal details have been successfully changed it may take 24 hours to update if this was not you not being in caps visit and then the link is 365 online personal boi.com so you see that reflection and here's another one a login attempt is from a new device has been detected to secure and verify your account please follow this link when you go to look at the exact wording configured embedded in the link it says online hyphen security hyphen verification.com so the the tendency there would be to read the instruction in the text to go to the link and to see, is does this link look robust? Is this the right link I should do? And when you see the instruction sort of almost echoed, echoed in the configuration of the link, therefore it makes it more plausible. That's another sort of angle of attack in terms of, of, of fraud. I'll give you another example, if you like, yeah. where we looked at monetary amount. And this is very interesting. What we found was clustering. So we found clustering of cyber fraud texts with higher amounts of money and clustering of cyber fraud texts with very, very low amounts of money. So what we did then was broke that down. The higher amounts of money, for example, um, a transaction of 2,350 euro was approved using your 365 online app. If this was not you, please cancel via, and then you get the link. This is a fraudulent text. Now, what's really interesting is that if you think the average monthly net salary in Ireland is about 3,000 euros, the minimum income is in and around, you know, 1,750 per month. Therefore, this amount of 2,000 is a psychologically powerful amount. Why? Because if the text said 50,000 has been you know, <laughs> approved for deduction from your account, you would immediately think, well, good luck with that. You're yeah. not going to be able to get that amount out of my account. But if it's an amount that's approximately around your total monthly paycheck, not only is it plausible that it could be removed, it also is psychologically devastating because how are you going to pay your bills, your mortgage, yeah. and so forth for the month. So that's a very powerful psychological 
uh, driver. At the lower end of the spectrum, what we see is very small amounts. For example, here's an example. Your parcel is waiting for delivery. Please concern, confirm the settlement of one euro, 90 cents euro on the following uh, sorry, you know, yeah. one euro and 90 cents on the following link. Now, that's a very low amount. So people might be careless with that amount and think, well, look, if somebody's trying to steal from me, you know, something less than two euros, do I really, am I really bothered about that? And plus, when most of us are shopping online, when you have, uh, you know, uh, the, the Christmas period shopping, when you've got these these special shopping periods, the probability is that you're expecting some sort of package or something in the post at some point in time, and that's what the fraudsters are working with. It's a sort of it's a it's it's just a numbers game for them. So effectively, clicking on the link and then paying this one ninety, it doesn't matter about the amount. What you have done is you've created, you've opened up an attack vector which will compromise your account. It's not about the amount, it's the compromise. And then another area we looked at was the leveraging of trusted or popular brands. So you see streaming services used, you see the post office used, yeah. you see health services used, you see revenue used, you see a bank used. This is leveraging psychologically hacking truck trust and also during the pandemic we all got very used to being to doing what we were told yeah. <laughs> so when you were ordered to do something then you would obey so effectively this creates another um, attack vector is this use of authority and then another iteration we've seen in terms of increasing sophistication what we've seen is that you know people's behavior from a cyber psychological context is constantly evolving online. Cyber criminal behavior is also evolving. Yeah. It's adapting and mutating. And effectively, cyber criminals are very good at marketing. They're very good at testing to see, well, what response do I get? And they refine and fine tune their attack vectors continuously. They'll also take um, advantage of opportunities such as they did in COVID in terms of disseminating fake URLs for people to get personal protection equipment or even to get um, uh, vaccines when they first became available. So they use these sort of heuristics or things that happen at a specific time and then dive into that. At the moment, we have a lot of switching activity between bank accounts. That's another potential attack vector. What we've seen is a stepping up in terms of the introduction of the phone call from the fraudster. So you might get a message to say you've got an urgent appointment with Stephen, the customer service department, regarding the security of your account. Expect a call immediately. So now you've been told a call is coming, you've been told it's about the security of your account, and you're told to expect a call immediately, and you've been given a name, which is all about building trust. Yeah. So you can guarantee that somebody introducing themselves as Stephen will then call you, which fits in with that attack vector. We've also see, seen the addition of things like um, mentioning a specific, say, one-time passcode. So it might say your one-time passcode of, and then give a number for the purchase of something, you know, 
if this was not you, then please contact us urgently on this number and they'll give you a reference number again. So now you've got the passcode number and a reference number, both are which are fraudulent, but will be used to validate the conversation when somebody calls you because they will call you and say, did you use this passcode or you know, is this talk to you about the passcode and then also quote the reference number and it's about building trust. So these are very sophisticated scams. And the purpose of this campaign, which is Stop, Think, Check, was to break it down into that messaging of, first of all, these fraudulent texts are designed to make you act. So the first thing that you do to counter that is stop. Do not act because that's what they want you to do. But stop do not act. The second piece of the messaging is think. The think is the sort of cues, the behavioral cues that we're disseminating in this campaign is look at the text, dive into it, think like a profiler, look at it and analyze it, you know, be a cyber detective and say, what are they trying to do here? And if I was a fraudster trying to target somebody, what sort of language would I use? And how would I get them to react? How would I make them anxious, get them to panic and get them to click on this link and then compromise themselves? So that's the thinking part. And the next part is check. As part of this campaign, what we, what Bank of Ireland have done is launched a new fraudulent text checking service. So you can take any text you receive that looks like it's coming from Bank of Ireland, you send it with the word check before it, and then you paste in the text, and you send it to 50365. And within 60 seconds, the bank will come back and tell you whether that text came from them or not. And that will let you know whether it's a fraudulent text. Now, for other banks, you can check with them directly or you can go and report something to the guard if it's very suspicious or you can go to the crime victims helpline well last sunday i got a text and it was basically from the hsc more or less claiming that i've been in contact with somebody who had covid and to follow a url to uh, get further instructions now yeah. i i looked at the url and it didn't look legit so i went and checked the who was the main see who owns it and i found that it was registered in the past week and I also have a relative who was a GP, so I rang him and asked him, what text would you get from, some, from the HSC if you, if you uh, were told you, you were something from your COVID? And he goes, don't, that's a scam. What they're trying to do is they're trying to make you pay for a COVID test. So yes. that's going around as well, he said. And luckily, I knew somebody who, who knows what the procedure is, and I also had the wherewithal to go and check the URL to make sure it was genuine. Others yes, don't I have that scenario. They don't know that. And you're tech literate, yeah. you know what I mean? So you've got the, you know, ability to interrogate that. And that sort of brings, you know, to the point of, well, who is targeted? We're all targeted. 75% yeah. of people surveyed uh, in a recent um, Red Sea survey said that they had received a cyber fraudulent text. 40-odd percent have received these uh, phone calls. So this is prolific. This is an absolute you know, tsunami of, of, of cybercrime that people are being subje subjected to. And within general population, you're going to have people who are very vulnerable. They're vulnerable in terms of either their anxiety levels are very high. And the, the horrible paradox here is that those who can least afford to be defrauded are in fact, you know, some of the people that are losing money, yeah. you know, people who desperately need, you know, all the funds they have to provide for their family or to provide for themselves 
are the ones who are losing out here, which is, you know, despicable on the part of the fraudsters to target the vulnerable in society. And there's also a perception that seniors might be disproportionately targeted. Well, that's not the case. What we're seeing is young people, the 16 right through to 25s, who are the core entities being targeted. Well, why? So they should be more tech literate. They're digital natives. They've grown up with this. But it would seem that they, they, they can be more prolific or careless, depending on how you want to phrase it yeah. or conceptualize it, with their personal details. So they might use, you know, random websites, it's Black Friday, it's Cyber Monday, to get a great bargain and they'll follow a website and then they'll see that something they really want, they could get it cheaper here and then they move somewhere else. And then, you know, they're going down a rabbit hole where they're ending up maybe with a very cheap offering on a site that fundamentally isn't trustworthy. They're then putting in their personal details, they're paying for it on the site, they're giving their phone numbers away, and that's creating an entire sort of, you know, database of identity theft, which then is circulated on on dark web markets and circulated to other fraudsters to become an angle of attack again. Yeah, and also about this phone call, I got a phone call last month from somebody saying they were Amazon Prime, and yeah. my contract was up for renewal, and they said to me, what we can do was if you pay up front now, we'll give you 20, 20 euro off the annual fee. So I said to the guy, excuse me, uh, did you say you're Netflix? And I kept saying that, and the guy got annoyed and swore at me. And I said to him, I, thought you, I said, if you're a rapper of a company, what, why are you swearing at me? And then he hung up because he knew that I knew it was a scam. But others yeah. might not realise that, and they're suddenly going to fall for the trap and give them the, oh yeah, I'm spending 20 euro. Of course I give him my details. What do you want? Absolutely. So it's the leveraging of trusted brands and, and they're quite well informed. You know, what we saw, say, for example, where a streaming service like Netflix had been used, that the amount that they, you know, said in terms of, of your your uh, uh, your monthly payment was actually very accurate. It was the monthly, you know, the minimum monthly rate in that time period. So these fraudsters, they're doing the work, they're doing the background work, they're, you know, this, this is a sophisticated criminal marketing and targeting uh, enterprise. Yeah. Highly sophisticated. The people who are doing the phone calls are going through training. You need to be trained in this practice to execute this sort of cyber criminal fraud as a as a person working in a call center you know to masquerade as that so there must be training programs at scale for these people given the volume to say this is how you respond this is how you deal with the customer this is how you reassure them you know these are very sophisticated operations it's not like they got a script and they follow the yep. script and the script more or less tells them if the person like a flowchart in a way if the person yep. does a do this if not do b if you manage to, like I've done in the past, get one of those on the phone, and you manage to basically make sure that what I'm telling them isn't on the script, that gets them off balance, but that's very rare that'll happen. Yeah, and that's a very sophisticated counterattack by you. And yeah. again, not everybody is going to be able to actually have that level of resource to actually try and game a game a gamification process online. Yeah. And this is this is and this is why it's so important that that we we seek to 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 stamp out this this 
these attacks and address this form of cybercriminality, which really points to larger issues in terms of the internet, the surface web versus deep web, the you know, offender convergence settings that are thriving on dark nets that are actually facilitating this surge in 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 cybercrime. And they're much bigger uh, policy issues that need to be addressed uh, at, global, at a global level. But for the moment, what we have to do is fight the battles that we can and just ensure by collaborating, by upskilling, by paying attention to these sort of campaigns, that you know, together, we won't let the fraudsters win. Yeah, and because at the moment a lot of technology is now forcing people to use technology like smartphones or tablets or laptops to, to do what they normally used to do via the phone or, or by post, they've now got to uh, basically be educated to make sure what to watch out for. Yeah, and, and the point is also a sort of an evolutionary one, taking again a broader view, is that our human skills are very finely tuned uh, in a real-world context. You yeah. know, there are all sorts of visual cues that we can process to determine trust. If you meet a stranger in the street or on the train or in a corridor, you have, you know, sort of a very old piece of technology working to assist you, which is the human brain. Yeah. <laughs> About a million years in development. And you and, can... And, language. <laughs> and it can really help, you know, so everything from visual to body movements to gesticulation yeah. to expression to smell to you know there's so many uh, senses that we can bring into play to help um dis discern whether we're going to trust this other person or not when we go online we go to an extremely lean medium where we're deprived of many of the sensory cues that would otherwise help us to process. And, and, and that's the difference. So until we can get to a point where technology allows us to execute our full, wonderful range of human skills in terms of self-protection, unfortunately, there's going to be vulnerability, again, which comes back to why we need to upscale and figure out, well, how to hack the fraudsters back. Yeah, I guess basically in the final point, it should be that... Uh... If you're never not sure of what you're receiving, always mm -hmm. double check with a relevant source that you know is legit and not and uh, not rely on what you you're given. Absolutely, if in doubt in any way, stop, don't act. Yeah, and as you said earlier about they might send you a message from a bank at a certain time when bank isn't open. When I got that text with HSE, I knew that they thought no one's open to tell me if it's fake or not. Luckily, I knew somebody who could tell me that. So in that case. When you get a text at a time that isn't during normal working hours, always query, why is it coming at now? Why is it not coming during working hours? Absolutely. But also during the pandemic, when people were working around the clock trying to address the pandemic, there was a behavioural shift where we got used to getting texts late at night and at the weekends because there was an emergency response yeah. to a global phenomenon. So, and that's what the fraudsters are aware of as well. So they're sort of designing into that, leaning into that again to create, you know, tapping into your psychological Achilles heel, tapping into vulnerability. This is all about social engineering. 
This is not so much about technology. It's about hacking human behavior. That's what the cyber fraudsters are trying to do. And that's where we've got to build our skills to protect ourselves. And that's why, you know, I'm delighted I should be part of this campaign because, to be honest, it's unique. I work with financial institutions overseas, and this is the first time I've seen and been part of a campaign like this. So, you know, kudos to the bank for, for, for basically embracing uh, cyber behavioral science and bringing this to a wider audience. Because in the past, the banks would never have thought it was hacking human brain. They would have thought it was something else, but now they've realized actually this is what it's doing, it's hacking the brain and making us act differently. And because you don't see the person at the other end, you kind of look about language or, or how they dress or how they act to see that this, is, this isn't a kosher. Absolutely. And that's why we just need to pull together and, and you know, sort of group to, to, to defend ourselves and use the best uh, tactics and skills and training and education and awareness and mechanisms that we can. Because if everybody is, is successfully fighting cyber fraud, what will happen is the cyber criminals will move on to something else. Because if they're not getting a return from what they're doing... They're marketeers. They'll move on to something where they are getting a return. Yeah, and as you can say by one of the old slogans, we're all in this together. And that's where it should be. Absolutely. All in this together. Yeah, and, and on that note, I'll say thanks very much for a great conversation, Professor Aiken, and good luck in the uh, campaign. And ho- hopefully the cyber criminals decide to move on to something else more worthwhile other than us. Brilliant. Thank you for your time. And maybe if you post some of the links, people can, can you know, follow it up and see what we've been talking about. I will help to illustrate um, sort of abstract things, but in a concrete way. Yeah, I will Thank do you. That. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news on Facebook facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.